the hunt for Shaquille O'Neal would be cartoonishly funny if it didn't involve the theft and victimization of thousands of investors during the crypto meltdown. Bitcoin bros and crypto gurus are currently being questioned in court as we speak. Sam Bankman Freed, the mastermind of FTX, is facing decades in jail. Celebrity promoters of crypto like Jake Paul and Lindsay Lohan have been charged by the Securities and Exchange Commission for illegally telling their followers to buy bunk currencies. With Lohan tweeting things like exploring hashtag DeFi and already liking JST, Sun, or TRX, super fast and zero fee, a sentence that sounds outright clickbaity. In the scramble to sort out the tumbling crypto empire, a seven foot, 350 pound man keeps evading the long arm of the law, one process server at a time. Shaquille O'Neal claims he never drank the crypto Kool-Aid and his involvement in FTX was merely as a paid promoter. Hey, it's Shaquille O'Neal, and I'm excited to be partnering with FTX to help make crypto accessible for everyone. I'm all in, are you? But if he doesn't believe in the wooden money he's peddling, why peddle it in the first place? Why not promote something worthwhile? Something that wouldn't require Shaq to turn off the lights and hide inside his mansion when the authorities show up or speed away from process servers as they toss court summons at his car. Our episode today isn't about crypto and the celebrities who pushed it. It's about the overall avalanche of bunk celebrity endorsements and how it's affecting our online lives. Today we're talking about celebrities as brands and how celebrities have turned their own platform into snake oil shops. As it stands, the Federal Trade Commission requires sponsored content from online marketers to be labeled as such. If a YouTube influencer is paid to advertise coffee, or Amazon artificially boosts a brand of AA batteries to the top of the results, they are required to clearly tag it as an advertisement or sponsored. So what about celebrities and celebrity CEOs? Those who use their platforms to sell placebo health supplements or promote crypto without understanding what crypto is. Or celebrities who turn their entire online personality into one big brand advertisement on their online store. Should they be held to the same standard as the rest of us poor, unsponsored normies? Should the Shaquille O'Neal's and Gwyneth Paltrow's and Lindsay Lohan's be required to label their Twitter accounts as sponsored content? You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self-empowerment and all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then, we use science and history to bust those myths and re-engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd Laments, the extrovert. And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer layer of no-duh on the internet. As consumers of social media, we are not unbiased judges of celebrity opinion. When Gwyneth Paltrow tells her online followers the best treatment for long-haul COVID is infrared saunas and fasting, a percentage of the population follows her advice. Enough that it warranted an emergency response from the National Health Service in Britain. Not that we're trying to cancel Gwyneth. This episode isn't about cancel culture. It's a study in the world of marketing that surrounds celebrities, 
which turns them from super talented megastars and wraps them into brand managers. Why would Shaq promote a company he doesn't believe in? Why would Lohan tweet about crypto or Gwyneth promote bunk health products? Today we're asking, how much has the celebrity influence market as a whole been tainted by bad faith brands? And to start us off, we have three myths to bust. Myth one, if your best friend in real life is trying to sell you Herbalife supplements or Amway every time you talked, you'd stop calling them, right? So why do we put up with it from celebrities who, who we don't even know? Myth two, does Shaq feel guilty for misleading all those investors who lost their retirement? Are celebrities even capable of feeling guilty? Or is there such a strong gravitational force around branch management, not even light or guilt can escape? Myth three, how have all these scandals impacted the market of celebrity endorsement? Does anyone trust celebrities anymore? Anyone? We're going to get to our myths. But first, I want to talk to Joe about the olden days of celebrities, when we could trust Lucille Ball and Ronald Reagan to tell us which cigarettes were healthy for us. This is a weird episode to do. I, I almost don't want to wrap it into the same umbrella of self-help. It is it is really much more self-awareness and awareness about who we trust. Um, so my first question to you, Todd, because you are way more tapped into the health industry than I am. Are, are infrared saunas actually a thing? Like, like was Gwyneth Paltrow making that up or or do they actually help you? Yeah, that's called red light therapy. And actually, my wife is dead. Um, my wife uses them a couple times a week and help them sleep. They help, they help with muscle recovery. They do have some health benefits. Okay. And they're like this sauna thing you sit in. And <laughs> it, the, it heats your body temperature up. So you kind of sweat out some toxins. Not good for curing uh, viruses or diseases, though. Right. Okay. So I, I, <laughs> I didn't think it was totally made up. Like I, I did notice when I, when I started looking into – by the way, this is all. This all comes from uh, we're we're working on a, a book for um, the reengineered you. We've done so many episodes, we couldn't help but take our our favorite stories and and put them into a book. And when we were going through just our our overall episodes about celebrity, we've done how wealth insulates celebrities, like how how they lose not just empathy. We'll we'll talk about the Paul Piff studies, but we've also talked about how like um, decision making is impaired. Um, whether or not celebrities are, are peddling brands that they believe in. So this all kind of wraps together, and, and this is more of like a punctuation mark of an episode about do they actually believe in the stuff they're selling? Should we believe them? Um, and the infrared saunas thing threw my head for a loop. I was like, if it's real, why did Britain have to like clap back and, and say infrared saunas won't help with COVID? Versus like, <laughs> maybe they're good? I, I want to give the benefit of the doubt, and... Of course, it's it's available through her online shop, Goop, which usually sells essential oils and and jade eggs and chakra stones and stuff like that. So, um, there's plenty of snake oil on her stuff, though. That one's not a prime example, but I, we have more examples of some weird stuff <laughs> that she's sold that has no medical. So, so that that is a good no medical uh, proof so far. Um, we're just going to say that. We don't disbelieve all the stuff that we're going to talk about today and, and the, the Nutra supplements that celebrities are peddling and, and the, the infrared saunas and, and 
you know, the, the bunk crypto stocks that so many celebrities endorsed. This isn't about us debunking their choices of what they want to sell. It's more like pointing out that celebrities used to be like uh, um, a sports sponsor, like, like when Lucille Ball and Ronald Reagan had sponsorships and endorsements, it was for like cigarettes. Like they would have a brand that, that, that would, you know, pay them. Uh, and then they would just say, Hey, I like this brand or Humphrey Bogart smokes these cigarettes specifically when he's in a film. Um, that's like comparing like a, a race car that has one sponsorship and they're loyal to it versus NASCAR today, where you have cars that are just absolutely plastered with stickers from all different brands. Like it's so much that you don't know what the driver is and you don't know what the color of the car is underneath all of these brands and stickers. Um, yeah, they've definitely industries have definitely monetized more. It was almost like in, in the olden days, it was a monopoly. Like if, if, if you sold Chevys or Fords, that was all you did. It, it didn't occur right. to them that you could sell food products, beauty products. And it, what's also funny is they, they're representing things that have nothing to do with what they do. Right, exactly. That That is the big thrust of this episode is they're not experts in these products. They're not even aware of the products they're selling. It is such a... Um, uh, was it Kim Kardashian has like uh, a crazy empire of like uh, beauty products and, and food products and just uh, uh, brands and and she can't possibly know what all of them are. There's so many of them that it kind of falls under the umbrella of these aren't celebrities. These are CEOs. These are CEOs of multiple brands, multiple chains, and they kind of just all fall under the umbrella of you know the celebrity is you know standing on a pyramid of of all, all these brands and they can't know what they all are and they they certainly don't believe in them all and that's kind of the what we're trying to prove today is how much do we trust that they are being you know straightforward with us and i just want to punch you in the face here with a, with a uh, some some stats here um, yeah please this is this is how much kim kardashian makes for a post or a tweet 1.6 million dollars per post or tweet uh, um, for a tweet or a post on Facebook or, yeah, for a social me- media post. <laughs> that is bonkers. <laughs> Adrian Grande, Ariana Grande, the singer, 1.6. Beyonce, 1.3. Khloe Kardashian only makes 1.3. I feel bad and for I've, her. <laughs> and I've heard of Oprah making as much as $5 million. That's That's wild. But, like... It's not because they're so entertaining. Like, <laughs> I think that the misconception, because I've, I've heard stats like that about celebrities before where they make, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands, two millions of dollars for for tweeting. Uh, what is it? Um, was it DJ Khaled is like he has an entire like like most of his branding line. He, he's not making as much money from music anymore as he's just like branding. It, it really comes down to like the reason they, they can take that average and say that they are making a million dollars per per tweet or per social media post, it's because they are averaging all of their brands that they are representing and all the money they're getting from all these sponsorships. And they're averaging it down to, here's how much I make per tweet or post because people are looking at my advertisements. It's like having the most... They're, when, you, when you see the advertisement pop up on YouTube, you're watching your favorite video and it, it, an ad comes up, you click on it because you want to get the, that Snuggie that they're advertising. Well, that that video just made five cents. Imagine That's that. Crazy. Yeah, uh, uh, imagine that it's like this times machine, right? Two it's million this, this people machine. watching your your social media post. Yeah, 
I, I could just see that's like there's like they have like a, a war room in a building somewhere where they have accountants and attorneys who are just counting all this money, right? <laughs> it's just right. like it's just probably around the clock. It's scary for I, absolutely nothing. Yeah, and, and and a lot of it when you read that that Lindsay Lohan post about crypto, we all know what happened with crypto. It, it absolutely crashed and bottomed out. But her 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 phrasing in her tweet. The end of it is like, you know, already in liking and then she lists JST and Sun and TRX. And then she says super fast and zero fee. That sounds like a bank advertisement. That sounds like a, a literal spam commercial that you would just sort of flip through. You wouldn't even pay attention to it. And this is a celebrity saying it. Um, well, and doesn't she seem like one of those um, celebrities that has just like battled addiction? Not somebody you would take um, investment advice from. Right. I, I yeah I think of Lohan uh, f- as all of the gossip about her going to court and being flippant with judges. I don't think about her as being extremely good at at finance. And maybe I'm wrong. It could <laughs> that'd be the best surprise our show has ever had if somebody fires back and they're like Lindsay Lohan is actually a genius uh, hedge fund manager. Um, but but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so we're we're gonna start at the very beginning. Like like we've we've thrown out a lot of numbers and stats at the start, but we're gonna basically begin with um, why do we trust them? Like why are two you know billion or, or million people looking at every uh, Kim Kardashian tweet? Why are people following celebrities so closely that they can make the kind of money they do off of their branding? Um, because if I sell uh, uh, nutritional supplements. I'm not going to get the amount of clicks that Alex Jones gets. Like, like he sells bone broth and like nutritional supplements, and and uh, that's that's one of the biggest snake oil ones is literal uh, health supplement snake oils. Is you can, you can buy health supplements that are basically just placebos, and and there are so many brands out there that will pay a celebrity to do that. And so crypto, and and nutritional supplements, and um, Gwyneth Paltrow's whole line of goop, as far as I'm concerned, seems like it is in this ballpark. Um, why trust them? Why why do they have so many followers? Um, I'm not proud of this, but I am a Shark Tank um, watcher. I watch that. <laughs> have you watched that show? I have seen it like two or three times, but that makes me happy that you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed by this, but the reason I bring it up is Mark Cuban, the owner of the the billionaire you know tech guy who owns the uh, owns the sports teams, the the Dallas Mavericks. Anytime there's anything placebo-like or that makes any kind of health claims that has not been backed up by real, he freaks out. He gets nasty with who's ever there. So it just rubs him the wrong way. He doesn't like people doing that. So there's a celebrity who, I'm not saying he's an angel, but when it comes to those kind of claims, he says absolutely not. Yeah, and they're they're ubiquitous. I I think that... I mean, I imagine these guys prowling around Hollywood and just any celebrity who will accept an endorsement from uh, nutritional supplement placebos, they're, they'll pay you off. Like that's that's how you know you have like lowered your standards as a celebrity is if you're selling nutritional supplements. <laughs> um, but, but the reason we will pay attention when Alex Jones or Gwyneth Paltrow or somebody tries to sell us nutritional supplements is because their face like it is literally because we uh, let's go back to to primitive man yet again it's because if we see a face too many times that we like or that sounds good to us or or that we you know see them go through an emotional journey and we trust them 
it, it raises our trust level. This is called in marketing the mere exposure effect. And yes, we've talked about this on the show. Um, and there's a, there's a, there's a cliff. Um, if you show me a product or a person 10 times or so, uh, I will trust it more. I will, it'll, it'll register in the back of my subconscious as if multiple friends have told me it's a good thing or that have exposed me to it and said, you should probably look at this person, trust this person, trust this brand. Um, beyond, I think it's like 25 or 30 times you start to get angry at it. Is this an authority thing? Is there a a tad bit of authority in this? Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of wraps its way into everything in TV and media. Um, when I first read about it, I mean, like it's been known since like, uh, literally like the fifties and sixties. Um, that's how they planned out. If you watch Mad Men, I think they even mentioned the mere exposure effect (laughs) or, or, or at least they're uh, aware of, you need to put this product in front of people's eyes at least 10 times before they start registering it and thinking about it as a trustworthy thing. And it's the, uh, the general idea is if it is ubiquitous, then, you know, it must be vetted. That if, if something has been on the market for this long and there's enough people looking at it, and if I've seen it 10 times, it means that, you know, it's common. And if I, if it was going to be bad for me, I would have already heard about the bad part too. Um, and that is not on the front of our brain. That's on the back. That is the subconscious telling you, uh, we know about it. It must be trustworthy. And the same thing goes for people like, like, um, uh, politicians tap into that. The, the reason why you will see a political ad campaign 10 times, almost exactly like it's almost planned how many times they will run it during an advertisement block. If you watch, you know, evening sports, you it's it's planned out how many times you will be exposed to a brand of cereal or, or a political ad campaign showing you, you know, here here is here's our state's representative. Doesn't he look trustworthy? He's kissing babies and shaking the hands of farmers. And the reason why celebrity is so powerful in this area is we don't just see them kissing babies and shaking hands. When we watch Gwyneth Paltrow, we see her crying. We, we see her in the movie seven going through stages of emotions and considering whether or not she can have a baby in a dangerous city. We see her in Shakespeare in love. We see her laughing and having fun on stage and getting into, you know, like all these, all these things happening to her. We see personal journeys and emotional journeys of, of people. And it makes us trust them. Like, like we know nothing about them. They, they, when we were, when they're revealed to be horrible people, uh, in, in audio clips or when they reveal themselves to be disconnected by tweeting horrible things, it, it shocks us because we have been through so many personal journeys with them subconsciously that yeah. we can't help but like them. That reminds me of music, right? So these poor people who are singing about getting their heart broken, these vulnerable songs all these years, we actually believe that that's who they are, right? We think right. <laughs> we connect. So we, we love them, right? We have this huge crush on these people, <laughs> right? Man, woman, we love them, you know? Oh, oh my God. During our Sinatra episode... When I found out how insecure Frank Sinatra was, every song of his is about being confident and going out on the town and, and loving ladies. And and then we found out that he was so insecure. It was crazy. Like that that crushed my opinion of him. I mean, like I still love him, but holy hell, like that was that, that was, was a changer. Yeah. That he was suicidal over a woman not giving him attention. Right. You know, yeah. A certain so woman he just couldn't handle it. Yeah. Right. And and to be fair, uh, I really want to start with like, let's not absolutely roast every celebrity on here and say that they're terrible, evil people 
who who deserve scorn because they are accepting an endorsement. No, they they do deserve. Everybody deserves to make money, to uh, rep- like to to be in business. Everyone deserves to start a small business. I, I that's part of the American dream. Um, well, well, let me stop you right there and let me argue yeah. with that. Okay, you do your due diligence on our on our research for this show. I would think that these people who are taking checks for millions of dollars should spend a little bit of time looking into what these things are and what they do and pros and cons. I don't think that's an unreasonable request. They could even have someone on their staff do it. Right. It's it's why don't they have that? That's the big question. That's that's our first myth we're going to bust is um, why don't they have another expert sitting next to them saying yes or no to a product? Why don't they have why doesn't Lohan have an actual financial expert she can call that will tell her, hey, this is a bad idea. Like these are terrible, you know, cryptos. They're going to be junk stocks in 10 days and you're going to look like a fool. Um, and the reason for that is, um, well, it's it's an effect of overconfidence that we're just really starting to like dig into with research. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to talk about first, we're going to try to say that not all celebrities are evil, even the ones that are endorsing terrible bunk things. And we're going to justify that by saying that when they get good at acting and when they get good at brand management and when they accept a, a giant gold award of a gold man, they walk down a red carpet uh, uh, like they are deities. People are worshiping them, worshiping them on either side. They accept an award. They, they, they think they're king of the universe. Um, all of that hype feeds into the notion that they are competent and that they are of a high social class and that they have, you know, wealth and status. Um, that's the same thing that happens to anybody who I, like, if I was a, a floor wax salesman and I accepted an award for, you know, uh, the best floor wax brand or, or the best salesman of the year, I'd have the same feelings about myself. I, I, I may not be as hyped as Gwyneth Paltrow, but I would still value my own opinion. I would still say that I am generally above average uh, as far as intelligence and thought and, you know, what my mental abilities. And, you know, once you reach that level, once you accept a, a big award or a plaque, or once you reach a certain, let's say, um, how much money do you have to make before people can say that you're you're successful as a person? Would you say it's like above the happiness index, like $100,000? Or, or would you say it's like 200000 or? Well, I think when your ceilings as an athlete or as a, a celebrity – and your expenses and your supporting, you, you are a company, right? Yeah. So, so when does it go? I, I think you should make whatever you made doing your trade that in endorsements. Okay. I'll give you okay. that. So if you made 50 million, then you're up to make 50. If you made 10 million, then go to 10 million. Because I <laughs> just, I just think this has just got greedy, greedy piggy written all over it. How right. much fucking money do you really need? Well, that's 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 what I'm saying is is greed is absolutely a component. And but how much I want is it your reputation. How much of it is what kind of person you are? D- does that have any value? Oh, oh, we're we're definitely going to get to that. Like that, how much this, uh, um, how much this system of every celebrity is a brand? How much that has damaged people's opinions of celebrities? We have research on that, and it is amazing. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a third part. Um, but but for just the moment, I want to give uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and a couple other celebrities a, a very, very, very small hall pass. I want to say that there are studies that say that as a person's socioeconomic star rises, 
they have a elevated sense of their own decisions and their own thoughts and their own expertise. Um, and that's for everybody, not just celebrities. Um, well, I'll, I'll give a pass too for women because it's been proven that men's careers in entertainment are a lot longer. Their worth and their value is high. So I can see why, you know, if you're a female and they, it's not, and it's not fair, they don't seem to get the same kind of roles or the demand and certainly the pay isn't there. So they want to take advantage of, of the, of the window that they do have, even though that right. window has gotten bigger. You're, you're not a sex object anymore. So what roles are you going to take? Uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're pushed off into the outer ring of Hollywood where you can play mothers and, and challenging roles. Mothers and um, aunts and that kind of stuff. Right. right. <laughs> well, there, there was a study uh, I want to, I want to get to by Peter Bellamy and his team. And um, they weren't looking at celebrities. They were looking at just people and they were looking at loan applications. And they did this in a very interesting way. They, um, they contacted uh, loan companies that work internationally and they got data uh, uh, of, of people who were getting loans. And the important part is it was a loan company that did um, like basically uh, uh, personality tests. So they wanted to know who they were loaning money to, how likely they were to pay it back, what their education level was, what their age was, what their income level was. And so th these these companies, these loaners, uh, and these like um, basically like a credit score company, they had a tremendous amount of information on the people they were giving loans to, and they looked at the the, the people doing the research looked at, okay, you know, what are the top earners? You know, the people that are asking for a two hundred thousand dollar loan or a one hundred thousand dollar loan, those are going to be people who are borrowing it for a small business, and they're going to be borrowing for large amounts. Um, th those are the, the, the people who are calling shots. Those are the owners. Those are, you know, small CEOs. And they compared it to people who were in the lower brackets who were asking to borrow a thousand dollars. Um, <laughs> and who knows what that's for? Maybe it's somebody doing a cake decorating business or something. Um, and they compared their income level, their education level, and their social class with, uh, whether or not they thought they were right about a game that they sent out. So... You, you say, Todd, you're, you're asking for a $10,000 loan for your business. I show up. I already know that your personality, like I've already made you do a personality test online when you do the loan application. And then I show up with a tablet computer and I say, loan application is almost complete. We know everything about you. Here's a little flashcard memory game you're going to need to play. And so you, you look at these flashcards and all it is is you match images you say whether or not the image that you just saw is this the same as the next one like a tarot card you flip it over is it the same um and it it looks like it's a memory test like it's a dementia test and at the end of the test i say thank you your loan has been approved and i walk away and and right before i leave i say hey by the way um how well do you think you did compared to everybody else you think you're in the top 50 percent, top 60 percent? like give me a one to 100 score um and the, the real test isn't memory. It's where do, you think do you, where do you think you ranked? Where do you think you ranked? And do wealthier, more educated, or socially higher class people believe that they were right more often? Do they rank themselves higher on their their decision making? Absolutely. <laughs> that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, am I right or wrong? The poorest people thought they did best. No, I'm kidding. It, it was it, it was what you thought. It was. The more uh, the, the more social class you had and the more money you had, the more right you thought you were, even in decisions and even in opinions that you couldn't possibly know the answer to and you couldn't know whether you had done well. 
Um, well, we know this from our from our celebrity insulation uh, episode. Absolutely, Be- because they're surrounded by people telling them how awesome they are. Everyone on staff. That's how you got the job, is by telling the boss how smart they are and how wonderful and what a great. It's not that Shaq is a great businessman. He was a great basketball player. <laughs> right. But, but once you accept a gold statue with a, a little man on it, you, you think you're good at everything. You think that you are, you, you, if you are Lindsay Lohan, you think you're good at banking. If you are Shaq, you think you're good at crypto. If you are Gwyneth Paltrow, well, you think you're good at medicine, even though your, your little gold man was for acting. And it's, re- it's reinforced, too, with the ocean of money that's coming in. You tell me yeah. that, that wouldn't you wouldn't start thinking you're good at something if if you're getting paid. Of course you must be. I mean, oh yeah, people buy stuff because you you know. That's that's what the study backed up is is when it comes to people's opinions of their own opinions, it gets higher with the more money and the more status you have. And they controlled for education. Uh, this this was a very rigorous study. We're definitely gonna link off to it. Uh, I'll link to the PDF so people can just go through and read it. Um, but. Yeah, the the they did tests and follow up tests to control for education levels because they're like, well, if you if you're a business owner, you're probably educated, or if you have a lot of money, you probably have a degree of some sort. Uh, and they they did control tests for that too. And it's no, it's it's just the higher your status and the higher your wealth level, the the more often you overvalue your opinion. Not not the more often you think you're right, the more often you overvalue your opinion on things was the way they phrased it, which I thought was awesome. Um, <laughs> so even if celebrity, even if Gwyneth Paltrow held a PhD, um, and her, her opinions were still technically expert, she, it, she would still have to state that the things she is selling on her website are sponsored by FTC rules. Like, like FTC guidelines would, would make her say, this is all sponsored content. Um, so yeah, when, when she sells an infrared sauna to cure COVID or when Shaq is trying to tell you to buy crypto, even though it's burning, um, that's, that's when we can at least say that they're, they're not monsters, even if they are greedy, it may not be, you know, entirely greed. It could be that they so overvalue their own opinion because they've received too many little gold men's standing on little platforms that they, they may think they actually do know everything. <laughs> um, as, and speaking of Shaq, did you, <laughs> when I was reading about the ways he evaded, and and got entangled in FTX. The part where they're like, they're throwing the the court summonses at his car as he's speeding off. Like, I don't know why it makes it so much funnier that he is so huge. Like that that <laughs> if you could find somebody to serve papers to, I would think it would be Shaq. Well, when that, when this was all going down, and that's how this kind of this this show was idea was born. I was telling Joe about because I. TNT um, is the network that Shaq is a commentator on, and he doesn't cover, call the games play by play. But it was during the playoffs, and what he does is he does the pregame, and then at halftime they go to him, and he talks about the game with with Charles Barkley, who's a character too, who's probably had a few things summoned to him through this. He's been served a few times through the years. But what was interesting about it because this this was this was a huge thing. They were looking for him to sue him for this huge multi million dollar. Um, and he was on TV talking. And what, what struck me funny about it was because I was just reading about it minutes before. And I swear, Joe, this didn't bother him at all. He was go- <laughs> so, so they're going to the stadium. So he was on the move. Usually he's in the studio in L.A. or whatever. But um, he was actually at the games. So they were going to the games and they were getting close to him, but they just couldn't get to him. <laughs> and so. 
um, they were going to his mansion, and then he was doing the old, you know how what you do when someone rings the doorbell nowadays, you duck and hide. He was doing this in his multiple of mansions. They were even going overseas to the Bahamas trying to get him. Now, I want you guys to link off and just Google Shaq's uh, Bahama mansion. It's bigger than any hotel you've ever seen in your life, I promise. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be hard to hide in there. But so at some point, they, they hired, there was five different companies who were all professional servers. Um, he would drive by in his Mercedes and they'd just fling court documents at him, just <laughs> like confetti. <laughs> So how hard is it to find? Now, keep in mind, he is seven foot one. They say 350. He's all of 400 pounds, I promise. So he doesn't move particularly fast, but they just couldn't get him. <laughs> oh, my God. That that makes me so happy. Just the thought of a Shaq fleeing a basketball game and, like, somebody screams, get him. And then, like, the biggest man you've ever seen going down the aisle trying to get away from process servers. Oh, man. Uh, do you think – okay – in, in your opinion, do you think that like um, there is a certain level of greatness where you have earned the right to not have to understand your own brand? <laughs> like like Shaq, we, no. we played a clip. Shaq openly admitted he doesn't understand what crypto is or how it works or what he's doing. Well, th this it's, is the thing. He got involved. Steph Curry, the basketball player, they're buddies. And he says, hey, why don't you get involved in this? It's called FTX. You don't need to know anything about it. And you'll make millions of dollars. You just have to say that that you're all in, that you believe in it. Now, what's funny about that, he personally said, he personally said, I would go nowhere near cryptocurrency. So this <laughs> is somebody who has a lot of money who wouldn't invest a cent in it, but is willing to say he's all in. So if that's not lying, I don't know what is. I didn't know that part. I didn't know that he had stayed away from actually investing in it. I thought he was like both an investor and a brand manager. So he was he was just accepting money to be the voice. He didn't believe in it at all. Right. And, and okay. he said, you don't have to. You don't have to know anything about it. You don't have to believe in it. But the fact that he said in this Forbes magazine article, he said that he wouldn't go anywhere near it. Um, to, to give people an idea of how many people lost their asses with Bitcoin and crypto, you it, it sounds like we're being... Uh, um, like overblowing it up, how many people lost money in crypto? CNBC has uh, um, a couple of numbers. They say that eighty percent of all global investors lost some money in crypto in some way, and that's not just FTX. That's all crypto, but FTX certainly led that sort of slide. There, they FTX is definitely the Lehman Brothers of of cryptocurrency. Um, so that's that's. That's crazy to me that he would call up a friend, another sports icon, and and be like, get in on this. <laughs> the brand managing or brand ambassador or not. That's like me calling you up, Todd, and being like, hey, I've gotten into selling timeshares, and I really think you could do it with me. <laughs> have you ever sat through a timeshare uh, presentation? Oh, I have. And I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I, I tried to sell them for a short time and didn't sell a single one. And I consider myself a pretty good salesperson. Okay. That's that's interesting. I <laughs> does does the FTX salesmanship thing with with these brand ambassadors. Does that feel a little bit like timeshare ambassador? Yes, but even less concrete, even more snake oily to me. Okay. Because at least you at least you have something you can go see every two weeks to every other year. 
<laughs> in a timeshare. <laughs> at least, at least you're sitting in this hotel. And let me let me just tell you the timeshare because timeshare thing is not probably not as popular as it used to be. But you would, you know, you and your fiance Rachel would get a thing that I'd call you and say, "Hey, how'd you like a free trip to the coast? You know, to the Gulf of Mexico in this hotel?" And you say, "Sure." And then there are strings attached. So you go to this thing and you're you are put through a very high pressured sales exhausting process. So you yeah, you do get a free trip, but you're tortured to try and, and you're you're using all the, you know, guilt and and greed. They they throw everything at you. So Right. You need a shower after you're done. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's 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 basically a salesman and like between four and 12 of you sitting in, around tables. And it is basically like a, a police interrogation for an hour. And at the end of it, you get a free trip if you sit through the whole thing. Um, that was my experience, at least. Uh, but but yeah, Shaq and, and him getting Steph Curry into it, it really, it, it did feel to me like that feels like time, Sherry, like, like salesman. But, but you're right, I think it is worse. Um, so let's, let's answer the second part of that question. Um, if, if, if Shaq understood what he was doing. So like our first myth was, uh, or our first part of that is, uh, do celebrities actually overvalue their own opinions? Do they think they're experts in everything? Well, yes, in some cases, not all. Um, there are some very grounded celebrities and some very down to earth celebrities that don't know, don't believe that, but there are obviously some that, you know, they, they get their money and their plaque and their award and they, they think they are actually, it's 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 the human condition. If we get too much social standing, we think we're smart at everything. Um, so the second question is, okay, well, does that mean they're evil? Uh, does that mean that, you know, uh, if you are a celebrity and you have enough money and enough isolation and enough mansions, do you start losing empathy? Um, so here's the part where we're going to call back to our, our celebrity insulation episode. If you haven't heard it, this is almost like an update to that because there are new interesting studies about it. Um, in that original study, I think we quoted uh, Paul Piff. Uh, we, we In that original episode, we, we quoted Paul Piff and his wealth and affluence studies. Um, and and Piff is such an interesting guy. Like if, if you want to just be entertained for an hour, look up uh, Paul Piff did a, a TED talk, which is great. It's 20 minutes. It's about how the more wealth and affluence you have in life, the more likely you are to lack empathy, to have your empathy get dulled and calloused and eaten away in a very measurable way. Um, and and he now has like an hour long sort of uh, lecture you can look up on YouTube. It's great. Um, but but the 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 sort of uh, um, long and short of his study series is if you think that you have a higher status than the people sitting around you, you're more willing to literally take candy that was designated for children. Like they would label jars of candy um, for the children's study group next door. And the people who were um, temporarily assigned a higher status than their peers would take the candy. Um, they would play Monopoly where they were given more money and more tokens than everybody to start with. And the players who were, um, uh, uh, just by luck gifted with more at the start would play more aggressively, tap their pieces harder, eat more of the free chips that they brought out. Um, <laughs> they would attribute it to their own skill and ability. They almost never mentioned luck. 
or, or that they had all that starting money. Like they would literally start with double or triple the money. Um, See, I'd always thought that it's supposed to be. I'm laughing because I I know what you're saying. Like, even though they got a head start, you think they would slow down and say, okay, since I got all this extra money and this extra, you know, the, this gifted all this stuff, I should let everyone else so to be fair. Like, I always, always thought whatever you are, money will make you more of that. I, I've heard, I read that. I've heard that from people. So if you're Mother Teresa-like, if you get more money, it'll be nicer. Not that you're going to put your... Th- foot on someone's throat and finish them off you know <laughs> <laughs> take candy from a baby literally yeah know. well the, the the update to that study and this is the part that he, he mentions in his ted talk is if you if you meet a celebrity and they have crazy wealth and they haven't become an absolute uh, uh disconnected shell of an emotion like like if, if their empathy hasn't been dulled away and they're not just like um you know screaming at I think yeah. the medical thing is a total douchebag. I think it's what right, right, right. That's a medical about. term. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> like, like there's, there's, there's uh, stories of uh, celebrity talk show hosts throwing coffee back in their assistants' faces and crazy shit like that. Um, the way you don't end up like a total disconnected uh, um, douchebag is uh, you have human connections, and a lot of them. You, you, the more connections you have uh, that aren't you know, being paid by you, like the, the people on staff don't count. The more connections you have where their peers, you respect them, you, you value their opinion, you talk to them regularly, um, you, you help them. That was something Paul Piff mentioned in his studies is um, people who were primed to think of themselves as helpers and, and can, you know, part of the society around them, part of the, the human condition, by, by priming them to think of themselves as part of humanity they would literally take wealthy people who were douchebags and they would prime them to think of themselves as part of humanity. And they'd help people on the way out of the studies. Like they, they found out that not only does empathy get dulled with wealth, you can bring them back. You can, you can, with very little effort, you can make people remember that they're part of the group and that they, they need to participate and they need to be part of the human condition with us and help each other. Um, but there's a lot working against them and we're going to go through those very quickly. Um, one of the things working against them is one, the, the, the money, the fame, the affluence, it, like we said, it, it makes you think that you have better opinions than other people. Another big one is, um, uh, it's, it's just simply space, physical space around you. The, the more square footage of your house, the more isolated you become. And that's a no duh, but, um, there was a study, uh, called income predicts the frequency and nature of social contact. And it, it is literally like like a, a one-to-one uh, up-the-ladder correlation uh, where, like, it, you know, Ellen DeGeneres uh, lives in a 12,000-square-foot uh, mansion. And during COVID, she got dragged online and got in real trouble because she said it was like being in prison, <laughs> sitting right. in her mansion. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And she has it's multiple light. mansions. Yeah, she, she yeah, owns exactly. and buys mansions. That's what she does. Her helicopter gig. from one to the next, yeah. 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 Um, so, so the more square footage that you physically have around you, um, you're less likely to talk to your friends and family, even the people living with you, you're less likely to talk to them. I would think it would be like the Osbournes where like you, you run into them a lot because you're all in the same mansion, but it's not the case. It's people isolate themselves more. They, they stay away from each other more. They, they are less likely to talk to friends or neighbors. They're less likely to go out. Like why go to a, a, a dinner party if you're living in a mansion and everything you could ever want is right there.
<laughs> we'll end there with my vitriolic nonsense melting down. <laughs> no, no, that was good. I don't okay. Know what else to say. I don't know what else to say.